Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one-day event are limited, so if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now, I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Soha. Jeff is the founder of Soha Capital and has helped many entrepreneurs and executives, especially those who earn a million or more dollars annually, navigate the complexities of wealth management and grow and protect their wealth using proven tax strategies. During our conversation, Jeff shares his perspective on how vital it is for high earners to protect their wealth from excessive taxation and why that doesn't mean implementing some sort of gray area that goes against regulation. In this episode, you'll learn unique tax strategies to generate significant tax returns, whether it's on your income, capital gains, investment portfolio, or estate planning. You'll learn the critical differences between CPAs and tax strategists and why people often get them confused, and the most common tax-saving mistakes Jeff sees all the time and the most overlooked tax strategies that you should be considering. One more thing before we get to today's interview. I've got something special for Lifestyle Investor Podcast listeners. 
Jeff has a free PDF titled 23 Overlooked Tax Strategies for Entrepreneurs to Create Tax Freedom. To get access to this gift, visit lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash 167. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Jeff Soha. What's up, Jeff? So good to have you on the show. Thanks, Justin. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is fun. Well, we've been talking about doing this for a while. And by the way, we have connected on some other content because you come and speak to the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind all the time. We've had you on, I don't know, three or four times to talk tax strategy. And I built out a tax strategy masterclass that we're going to be launching here at the beginning of the year. And one of the bonus pieces is a video from you. So, I mean, we've talked tax a ton, but We've never had you on the podcast, and so I'm excited to have you on the show so we can dig in a little bit more, both philosophically and and also tactically. So uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Happy to be here. And I'll just say that your tax database, if you will, is about the most exhaustive I've seen of any group I've ever interacted with. Well, I appreciate that. It's a a super kind compliment knowing that you interact with tons of the who's who. And and I know that we met through our good friend, our mutual friend, Garrett Gunderson, who was actually just at our Lifestyle Investor retreat that we had this last week, which was such a fun time. And and he talked tech strategy and we did a little panel on it, which, which was fun. But yeah, what a great compliment to be paid to have the most exhaustive list of tax strategies that you've seen anywhere, because that was our goal. We wanted to create a one-stop shop where people could join our community and in one quick strategy, I mean, they can use more, but the goal is in one strategy, they can more than cover their annual membership tuition. The possibility is 100% there in the database that I've seen. And I don't know, maybe you've added to it since I last looked at it, but that's definitely possible if somebody's willing to do their homework. Yeah, well, we've loved having you. You've brought all kinds of value and content to our community. It's, it's been wonderful. I love making you work when you look at the list and you're like, oh, shoot, you guys have a lot of stuff. I'm going to really have to get creative. And, and I love that. And the best part is you did get creative and you came up with some more awesome strategies. And I want to be able to showcase you and highlight you and even talk about some of the specific strategies that we've taught to our community. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to open it up. Let's get the word out. So how on earth did you get into tax strategy? I mean, I don't think anyone like wakes up like, Ooh, I can't wait to change the world by learning to be better at taxes and like read this, I don't know, a couple thousand page IRS code like that doesn't seem interesting. That seems really boring. So how on earth did you have this idea to become an elite and premier tax strategist? So, you know, have you heard the saying that there's, there's, um, two reasons somebody does something the one that sounds good and the real one. <laughs> so I'm sitting here debating if I give you the one that sounds good or the real one, I feel like I should give you the real one. Um, but there's a lot of vulnerability for all the, who knows how many people are going to listen to this. So, I mean, I think if you go back to my childhood, I grew up in a uh, family-owned business that my grandfather had started. It was a construction company, you know, and this is like, this is like your millionaire next door, you know, kind of deal. Like, you know, manual labor, physical work, really hard. There's nothing glamorous about it. Um, and I, I heard complaints about taxes and, I, and it wasn't just taxes. It was more broad than taxes, but it was sort of 
it, it usually started with something like the really wealthy this or the really rich this or the, the people that really are in the know, you know, this, whether it's about investing or taxes or whatever. Right. And um, so I, I was always into finance and investing. I, I hired my first financial advisor when I was 15. Wow. That was kind of funny. I had saved up money working in the summers. I think I had like 20 grand and I was like, I'm so rich. So I told my dad, I was like, I need your financial advisor to come over. And it was like this Amex had like a financial advisor service or something. This dude came to the house, told me like put it in mutual funds. So fast forward, I find my way out of construction and into financial services. I think I'm just more passionate about finance and you know, in financial services, most people in financial services basically make their money as financial salespeople, like financial product salespeople. I'm trying to sell you this insurance. I'm trying to sell you this portfolio. I'm trying to sell you this, that, whatever. And so what I found is that most of the people that had the money had been through a number of those financial sales, you know, meetings and weren't very interested in another one. So I thought, okay, how am I supposed to make it in this industry? And so I thought, geez, I've got to find some like unique value add beyond just, let me tell you why our thing is better, faster, cheaper or whatever. So I got this great opportunity to lobby Congress on tax legislation for a political action committee. And that led to getting hooked up with a second political action committee. And I spent about five years doing that, going up to DC, meeting with, you know, legislative aides and members and talking about tax things. And that was really eye-opening. I'm sure it was. Yeah. That's a whole different episode. (laughs) So yeah, that one's going to be called Our Country's Run by 24-Year-Olds. Yeah. And are we allowed to say that the whole art of lobbying is... I don't know, legalized corruption. I mean, it's to a certain degree. The short of it is I'm talking to a 23-year-old who doesn't pay tax. You know, they're on like minimum wage welfare supported by their parents. And so I'm trying to talk to them about tax. They don't understand. So it always comes back to the common denominator that everybody up there understands, which is votes and constituents and re-election. It basically comes down to, I represent a big PR machine and we're going to put out good or bad PR for you. And based on all of our research, I'm going to try to convince you of this one pager that there's this many voters, constituents that are going to be impacted. And our PR machine is going to target those people. And if you're my competing lobbyist, you're trying to convince them your pool of voters is bigger and your PR machine is better. And so then they just go, oh, geez, which one is going to help us or hurt us the most and go that way. You know, (laughs) that's my 60 second summary. What's in the country's best interest? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, that. So during that time, what I also saw in Congress is that all the members tend to have, or at least their families have, businesses and real estate and charitable interest. And wouldn't you know that all of the tax advantages lie in business, real estate, and charitable endeavors? So you know, you could say uh, back to the two reasons for doing something, you know, one that sounds good is, well, you're providing jobs and housing and, you know, lessening the burden on the state, or perhaps the real one is because that's what all their families have. So I'll leave that up to you to wonder. But so starting to uncover and go, geez, okay, there are big things that people do, but, you know, how do I bring that down to somebody like my dad, who's an electrician? How do I do that? Like, just like, Dude, in a local economy, 
doing something to make a living, makes more than the average person, nailed by taxes. How do I help somebody like that? Right. And so that's sort of how all that started. And I realized, okay, the people who do have some money are tired of those financial sales meetings. And so if I want to have a successful career in finance, I need a unique value. And so all of that sort of came together and I realized, wow, they all want to talk about how can they improve their tax situation. So that's sort of become like a game of just figuring that out. And that's exactly what it is. It's a total game and there's a blueprint and there's a way that you can partner with the government to help them get what they want and and by proxy as a as a you know natural byproduct you get some sort of tax incentive or or something that uh you know is is a win for you. And so, you know, it's funny I I do a bunch of keynotes. I don't keynote as much as I used to, but you know, I still do a handful a year, maybe uh 4 to 6 a year. And I always start off with, hey, audience, do you want to hear about the best deal that I have ever done? Like the single greatest return I've ever had on any investment. And everyone wants to know it. And I followed up with with saying, hey, did you know that this deal that I did, you can do it too? All right. The same investment, you can do it too. Is, is anyone even more excited? And everyone's excited. And I say, you know, I pull up a slide and I say, the greatest investment you can make is into your tax strategy because a great tax strategy is going to save you more money than anything else. And the compounding of those dollars, which would be a lost opportunity cost, right? But by capturing them, even if it's just $30,000 a year for, you know, let's just say 30 years, somewhere between 10 and and 15% interest you're talking about 10 to 13 million dollars it's incredible so it's it's such a massive opportunity yeah it's it's not insignificant and now we're even finding more sophisticated ways of of tackling that like in the investing world for example a lot of people don't realize this exists but like in the investing world, most people go out and if they have a portfolio in the market, right, they buy index funds like uh, S&P 500. Well, now there's technology that allows us to do what's called individual indexing, where imagine the S&P 500, but instead of buying like brand name index fund, we buy all 500 stocks individually. And then you do daily tax loss harvesting because those stocks move every day. So let's just say like today, Coca-Cola goes down. So we're going to sell it and we're going to buy the closest thing to it, like Pepsi, right? So like Coke goes down today, we sell it, we buy Pepsi and then and then everything's moving. And then Pepsi goes down, we sell it, we buy Coke, right? And we're just playing this game with, with daily tax loss harvesting. You can generate an extra two or 3% of tax alpha, even on your investment portfolio. So like it's getting really sophisticated for people who care to try to capture that tax benefit, whether it's on income, capital gain sale, your investment portfolio, estate planning, whatever arena it's in. Yeah. And on the crypto side of things, for those that, uh, you know, do anything in that arena, and and most of that is super speculative, super risky, but you've got a few projects and and a few specifics that are standouts, you know, such as Bitcoin or Ethereum. uh, and, And there are no wash rules currently as we sit today. So that's another way you can tax loss harvest uh, on those where you can literally sell them and buy them back immediately uh, and and clock that loss. 
which is amazing. It's unbelievable. Yeah, tons of opportunity there. One of the things that I'd love to talk to you about just to get things kicked off is the difference between a CPA and a tax strategist, because most people think that their CPA or their tax planner is a strategist. And that is a horrible assumption to make because most of them do not know how to do strategy. Most of them do not even know how to do, you know, our our onboarding document when someone joins our mastermind has over 50 unique tax strategies that virtually most CPAs do not even know and do not even use, though it's all in the tax code. Do you love the podcast and the book and wonder what the next step should be on your lifestyle investor journey? For a limited time, my team is doing free personalized consultation calls to learn more about your goals and determine which of our courses or masterminds will help you get to the next level. Whether that's to make your first investment or to create your first income stream of passive income, or whether that's to achieve ultimate financial freedom. If you'd like to reserve a spot, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation to book a free strategy session while they're still available. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. Yeah. So I'd love for you to kind of distinguish there um, because, you know, for years I've had a tax strategist, you, you and I have worked together here for a while. Um, but a tax strategist is going to kind of direct and teach, um, a CPA and help them to make some of the moves that they otherwise wouldn't know. And I'd, I'd love you to elaborate. Yeah, probably really common uh, complaint that I hear is people getting frustrated with their CPA. I don't necessarily think that the CPAs aren't capable of it. I think it's more about the business model that they have. In effect, they have a seasonal business model. Hey, we, we, we've got this busy season in the spring and a busy season again in the fall. And we work like 100 hours a week during the busy season and don't want to do as much in between. And most people engage with their CPA sort of in a last minute way anyways. Hey, um, last minute, I'm going to dump everything on you. You know, maybe used to it was a physical shoebox. Now it's a digital shoebox, so to speak, of dumping on them and going, oh, geez, can you get my extensions or can you get this file or whatever? And it's a very transactional relationship, seasonal, you know, we only talk to them in the craziest time of year for them. And and then to, to sit back and go, oh, well, I'm so frustrated. My CPA is not creating tax strategy. It's like, well, the relationship wasn't really set up for that in the first place. Tax strategy is not about filling out the form better. It's about taking a look proactively. And most of the time when we talk with our CPAs, they're always working on last year. So like when I'm working on clients right now, we're trying to work on this year, not last year. And so when we look at that and we say, okay, what we, well, first of all, we have to spend a lot of time to really deeply understand your situation. I'm a big believer that unless you want to engage one of those sort of financial product salespeople who's just going to sling answers at you, we take more of an engineering approach. We've got to understand all the facts and variables and resources. What do we have to work with? What, you know, what can be done? What can't be done? And, and so once we have this good, really good understanding of where the starting point is, what we're working with currently, then we can start to tear it apart and say, well, what can we change that would change the outcome without simultaneously creating some other adverse effect to your goals or to your life? So 
then it's sort of this engineering approach of going, well, now we sort of have to engineer and come up with which solution and which design and what combination helps change your specific outcome that doesn't disrupt anything else to the point of making it not worth it and, and sort of craft that and then get all of that executed and implemented before the end of the year proactively so that then next year when you meet with that CPA, the data that you're giving them to fill out the forms is different. And then with that different information, you end up with a different result, right? And so that's very labor intensive, very time consuming, uh, you know, and, and if you want a high quality job and you've got a lot at stake, even more so time consuming and, and labor intensive. There are some simple, easy things that just like everybody should do if you can, but, and we can talk about some of those, but yeah, we should, uh, we can get into when some you of those. Go beyond, when you go beyond that. Right. When you go beyond that, um, I'm a big fan of of really making careful decisions there so we don't end up with regret. Yeah, no doubt. And and by the way, the options that exist, um, you know, I, I used to look at the tax code as, you know, here's all the things you can't do. And if you do these, you're going to get in trouble and the IRS is coming after you. But the reality is it's more like a blueprint. Follow these rules, follow, you know, do what the government wants you to do truly look at them as a partner and you're going to get some great tax advantages. And so I think since our, you know, America is built on small business, um, mm -hmm. small and medium business, uh, what ends up happening is a lot of this code is designed, this tax code is designed to help these entrepreneurs. Now, there are definitely strategies that can help W-2s, people in corporate America, but there's so many more that really exist that business owners can take advantage of. And I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, there's so much. If you are self-employed, have Schedule C income, 1099 income, side hustle income, you know, even if you have maybe the majority of your income from W-2, you know, we've worked with some professional athletes, for example, and all of their W, all their income from the team is W-2. And then they might have some sponsorship income that can come through as self-employment income, right? So we can tackle yep. that. So W-2 income is about the hardest one to, to tackle. There are a few things that you can do there, but you, your options are limited. So if you have any sort of self-employed uh, business income, you've got so many options. So then the challenge is, you know, like you said in your onboarding, you've got like 50 things you try to teach people about tax that the challenge becomes you're not going to do all of them and all of them are not appropriate. And we were talking about the IRS list, you know, you've got uh, IRS dirty dozen list, for example. And the interesting thing about the dirty dozen list is usually the dirty dozen list is, is a list of things that are all in the tax code. The reason they're on this list is because it's kind of like the most abused parts of the tax code, right? right? People that are basically saying, Hey, I'm going to take to like, deductions that are not legitimate and um and not done properly right and so the irs is like hey we're aware there's a lot of people abusing these parts of the tax code so it's sort of a warning of like if you go down one of these roads that shoe better fit otherwise we're coming for you that's right you bastardize some of the programs you have a you know a group of people that are just too aggressive and take things out of context. And it, and it really hurts for those that are actually doing it the right way. But if you're doing it clean, it's you're going to pass audit, you know, and, and something we talked about at our event is you don't need to be afraid of an audit, have great people 
the IRS has already said they want to audit everyone, right? The 80 billion that they yeah. have. So, I mean, it's coming. It's just a matter of time. But you want to hire people that can fight the audit and win the audit and you don't have to touch a thing. And 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 really, the goal is not to get away with something. The goal is to follow right. the tax code as it is laid out and in the spirit of how it's laid out. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. Exactly. Being in this line of work, I get pitched constantly new tax strategies, right? Somebody, some tax attorney, some person out there saying, hey, check out this thing. It's so great. And you should get all your clients to do it. And so I used to try to filter all that stuff out myself. And then I thought, you know, this would be a better way to go about it. I went and I put this big name, white collar criminal defense attorney on retainer. And I said, you know what? All this stuff people are throwing at me. I'd rather you vet it and tell me up front if this is going to cause problems rather than get into it, cause problems, and have to call you and pay you a lot more to get me out of it. So I started paying this guy on the front end to be like, hey, when I get pitched new stuff, take a look at this for me. And what's interesting is is this year, just in the last few months, I've I've been pitched some stuff that it just stinks to high heaven. And so what I've been telling some people recently is, you know, what are some markers Like if you're getting pitched a tax strategy, how do you know if it's sort of maybe a little like too far into the gray uh, fringe that maybe you shouldn't go there? Right. And there are some things that really stand out that, that you made me think of. Like one of them is if people start talking about we're using a law that people don't know about or, you know, I'm one of only a few people that can do this or almost like it's this like secret thing. And I'm like, look, I'm not into experimental tax strategy. Okay. If we can't put it on a Super Bowl commercial and on the billboards, and you can't point to like a thousand professionals that have done this transaction for people, I don't want anything to do with it. Exactly. Cause like, it's just not worth it. I don't need the client. I don't need the money. The tax savings can't be that big. And then I tell people, I go, look, if you want to engage in a really, really high risk transaction, Just know if you want to go fight the U.S. federal tax court, you probably need to reserve five to ten million dollars in legal fees. Yep, they have unlimited money, as we know. (laughs) Well, if the savings is enough that if you had to take five or ten million dollars of the savings and throw it in the trash, and you still thought it was a good deal, I don't know. Maybe you do it because you go, hey, I got 10 million bucks. I, it, this deal is going to save me a hundred million dollars. So I can just put 10 million over here in a bucket and go, this is my tax court money. Okay. But most people aren't in that situation. Most people are, hey, I'm going to go get into this extreme, super high, risky, aggressive tax reporting position to save me like $900,000. I'm like, the risk reward there isn't worth it. There's so much down the fairway. And so what I've found is that the same way I had a hard time talking to people with money uh, and figuring out how to add value in a way that that would be a good business relationship for me. There are people that I guess are struggling even more so. So what they want to do is find this like exotic tax strategy of this like too good to be true. Have your cake and eat it too. There's no downside and only upside. I'm sure you've seen that in real I've estate. Seen a deals ton too. of them. Yeah, I've seen them in real estate. I've seen them on the tax side. Yeah, it comes in all flavors. And when somebody's doing that, you're like, "Here's this person slinging me something that's just like 
they just are coming from a place I think of high need. Like I need to make a fee. I need to make a commission. I need to make something. And you're going, right. Why don't we just like, why don't we just start with the exhaust, all the basics, exhaust, all the easy stuff, exhaust, all the straightforward down the fairway, tried and true stuff. And if we've exhausted everything in those arenas and we still need a lot more, then maybe we really carefully examine what might else be out there. But what I find far too often, people will go from, I'm not riding off my car to like, why don't we do this super crazy, exotic, high risk tax strategy? You're like, why don't we just go back to like riding off your home office or something? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It, it's so funny to me, the the strategies and the risk that people will take when there's so much right down the fairway that's easy to use, that there's no disputing it. You can't contest it. It is written very plainly, very, very clearly in the tax code. And so like yeah. on our onboarding document, you know, our goal is so but someone comes in, uh, they get accepted, they pay 55K as, as membership dues to be part of the mastermind. Most of these people are saving hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars in taxes. And by the way, some of these people that have worked with you that have done a session and you've walked them through, you've actually been able to help them find ways that they can save and amend on past tax returns for their CPAs that didn't do a good job. Uh, I'd love to hear yeah. you know, yeah. some thoughts there because that's a great strategy when you don't actually have a strategist. You can go back a few years and amend those if there's opportunities. Yes. I would say most of the time we don't find anything in the past. Occasionally we do. That is usually, I want to say that somebody made a mistake or an error, but. They happen. We know it. We see it all the time in our community. At least maybe a miscommunication or misunderstanding <laughs> of the facts. You're, you're putting it very politely. <laughs> and so sometimes there are big things in the past worth going and fixing. Most of the work is on a go forward basis. Yeah. And, but I will say though that oftentimes, like we can do an hour long call with somebody and the talk tax with Jeff uh, calls. And in an hour, it's not uncommon we find 10, 20, $50,000, at least identified. Hey, here's things you could do that are in that basic category that you could go uh, take advantage of. See, this is what you get when you go to business school at Harvard. You know, the people like me that can't get in, that have no shot of attendance at a school like that. We've got to hire people <laughs> like you that have the big brain and, and can hack it at a school like that. I don't know. You know, they put out a lot of big consultants at like the big firms. And so some of my friends from there, you know, one of them, he would sort of make fun of me. He'd be like, I'd be like, oh, what are you working on? He's like, oh, I'm working on this like Disney merger or some like big humongous deal, right? And so he would sort of nickname our clients. He'd be like, so you're working on Concrete Roger and Big Fan Dan and all these people? I'm like, yeah, Concrete Roger's doing pretty good right now, you know? I'm like, <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know if they're really big on, on going to work for average American entrepreneur, somebody trying to make it in the world. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity. And what I find probably the biggest thing that people need to do, and, and this isn't just tax. I mean, I think so much of this, you might you might say the same thing about investing or real estate or whatever, is you have to carve out the time and make it a priority and go after it with, in sort of a proactive, intentional yes, way. Totally. But I think that's how you accomplish anything in life. That's right. And don't outsource it. You've got to partner with people, right? I, I don't want you 
or anyone else that I work with on tax strategy to to do it for me. I want to know why you're doing it. Educate me along the process. I'm not just investing my dollars into this. I'm I'm investing my time and I want to return on both, right? That's yeah. that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's the hardest part because people are somewhat trained in this reactive mode of dealing with their taxes. I don't know. I go the following year and dump all this information and get the bill that I owe for last year. And so you're going, okay, well, at least one year, you're going to have to suck it up and like get caught up to the present day so you can deal with this year versus always being stuck in the rear view, you know? And so that's probably the hardest part and making progress. And then I think our country's really hooked on get rich quick, like uh-huh. shortcut, easy yep. button, instant gratification. It's like, if you want to, if you want to improve your health, like eat less and move around more, but that doesn't sell anything. It doesn't make anybody money. It doesn't, it's not real popular. So it's like, what? No, I need this program. I need this six minute thing. I need this pill. I need this supplement. I need this whatever. Cause eat less and move around more just is, is too boring, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think it's the same way in the financial world, right? And, and so people are looking for the the shortcut or the easy button or the hidden secret, you know, and the secret is put in the work. That's yep. the secret. Put in know? the work, educate yourself. It's not someone else's job, but you can hire the best mm-hmm. to help yeah. cut that learning curve down. And yeah. one of the reasons that I like you is not only do you know the tax code like the back of your hand, but you're actually an entrepreneur as well. You know, you you started a yeah. financial firm, a boutique business and, and financial planning company yeah. that you sold a couple of years ago, had a multi-million dollar exit on that. So you're looking at tax code from the standpoint of yeah. an entrepreneur because you use this yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things about tax planning too, that I think there's, I think there's a couple of myths that aren't really talked about much. One myth is people think the goal is to pay no taxes. And when you understand how marginal brackets work and you realize, okay, there's there's a first chunk of income I'm going to make that I actually pay zero tax on. And then the next chunk is at 10%. And the next chunk is at 12%. And then, you know, we get up to like 20 and 22 and 24 and these, these sort of inexpensive brackets. Okay. And so I tell people like, yeah, you're probably going to pay tax on, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, depending on your income, because that might be efficient, right? Like we're going to pay tax on that. So whatever that comes out to, and then all the stuff in these 35, 37, what might, we might go back to 39.6 or whatever, all these high end brackets. That's what we really want to tackle. Because when you start thinking about deductions and you think, okay, I have a dollar of a deduction. And depending on, you know, if you have state income tax, let's say if this dollar is worth 40 cents. Okay. So I have this thing that's worth 40 cents. And if I'm trying to get down to zero, I'm going to trade in something worth 40 for 20. So like, if you think that kind of math makes sense, then we, we should probably do a lot of deals together. (laughs) I'll take all your stuff at half price. You know what I mean? So why would you give away something that's worth two times as much, like save it and maybe we use it next year, right? So that's something to think about. And then the other thing about tax planning is oftentimes people think that, you know, I can't do it or I don't know how to go about it, right? They just feel 
just sort of, sort of defeated. And, you know, I love that you're launching a course because I don't know how to do that. And I think that's great because there's this, there seems to be this like, like epidemic in our country around financial literacy. You don't learn yep. it in school. You don't learn it in college. To me, I only think people learn it one of two ways. You either learn it because your parents happen to be great at it and they taught it to you, or you learn it through hard knocks, just finding your way, right? And there needs to be better education on like real life, practical, tangible financial education I can use. How do I do this, right? Like a lot of people have the desire and they literally don't know where to go and nobody's packaged it up to make it easy. So I love that you're doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I just want to educate people that there are ways to reduce your taxable income, especially like, let's just get out of the top tax brackets. Let's try and get down to an effective tax rate of 10%, or 12%, 20%, right? Yeah. And maybe you have some years where you don't pay anything and, and that you do that legally, but to consistently do that, that's probably unreasonable. Yeah. And you know, it's all about having a game plan, meeting with your strategist. Like you should meet with your team at least quarterly. Most people wait till the end of the year. Mm-hmm. They gather up their info. They don't even have good books and good records. And so everything's a surprise and there's just no time to strategize. But we want to be doing it on a quarterly basis so that we know where we're at and we know where we're projected to go. And that has been such a, a huge key for me, for for our family, for our community, the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind. You know, that is of the utmost importance to us is making the time. And you have to consider all options. One of the things I've I've tried to do in my career is always maintain sort of a radical independence. We are not beholden to any company, strategy, product, anything. You know, to me, all too often advisors and consultants have a strong bias, which is okay, but where it goes awry is when they're projecting that bias onto their client. Yeah. Right? Like I might be really conservative. You might have high risk tolerance. Well, I should not project my conservative nature onto you, right? Or whatever it is, right? Yep. So people project this bias and that really bothers me. So I try really hard when we're talking to clients to just be really agnostic around and give the benefit of the doubt that every financial tool, assuming it's legal and legit, like has a place and has a purpose. So I like to think yep. about it like a pharmacy, I like to believe that all those drugs have a have a positive use, but in the wrong combination and the wrong dose and the wrong timing, the wrong application, it can have terrible effect. And so, you know, it's really about going, okay, like what works for your situation? Yeah. Right? How, how do we figure that out in your situation? And oftentimes I think people make bad decisions when they procrastinate Because then they're going, I've let the tax tail wag the dog. I've got this big looming tax bill. And now I'm terrified about what's looming and I'm going to go try to hit the easy button. Yeah, 100%. It's interesting. I've seen this a lot in a lot of the circles, a lot of communities that I spend time in. And I see people all the time that they focus on the tax strategy. They invest in these deals that are actually not good deals. They wouldn't do the deals otherwise, but they're doing them because there's a good tax strategy built into it, a lot of depreciation or an opportunity zone. And they're doing this because they need the tax strategy of it, even though the deal doesn't stand on its own. And I 
I'm just emphatic about the point that you only do those if you would have done them, even if there was no good tax strategy. So if it is a good deal and it stands on its own, then great, do it and get the good tax strategy. But don't do a deal to get tax strategy uh, because nine times out of 10, that will not work out. And so, you know, too oftentimes these financial like product salespeople are trying to sell a strategy. So they're trying to push a strategy when they approach a situation that way. That takes off of the table the option of paying the tax. And paying the tax is one of the options that has to stay on the table. And it's probably the least amount of taxes right now that we'll ever pay. Or In the future, I am very confident that taxes will go up because our debt burden continues to go up because the irresponsibility at the top of just printing money to solve any problem, whatever the problem is, uh, seems to be the, the going rate. Yeah, you know, why do they need taxes when they can just print money? You'd think they just, we don't, we can do away with taxes if we're just going to print it. But why not do both? You know, it's, it's, uh, I just, I feel like my mind is always boggled with the decisions of instead of running a balanced budget, let's just print more money. Let's just solve it by overspending and we'll figure it out when we get there. I like when Buffett said, hey, I can fix that in five minutes. If we have more than a 3% deficit, every sitting member of Congress is booted out and and, and eligible for re-election. He's like, that'd fix it. We'd never have a deficit after that. 100%. Now, one of the things you spend a lot of time talking about is your financial freedom threshold. And I'd love for you to just touch on that real quick as we kind of round things out Mm -hmm. here today. Sure. Yeah. What became apparent to me over the years is that most people had this deep, core, similar desire, which was to get to a place where they felt confident that what they had accumulated, their balance sheet, their net worth would support their family on an ongoing basis without their time and energy and effort and labor and earned income, right? And used to, I think people would talk about retirement and and it just seems like that is, that is not really a concept that I find anyone really excited about because it seems like when people have a real sense of purpose in their work and you take that away, if they don't have something else to deploy that energy into, they end up in like the state of depression. And so most of the people who have good earnings are creators, they're doers. And I don't, I don't think you take someone like that and just have them stop. Like, oh, okay, hey, just stop. Like, Justin, just don't do anything productive the rest of your life. You're like, I don't know how to turn that off. (laughs) However, I do want to cross this threshold where my peace and joy starts to go up, realizing that my need has come down. Mm -hmm. When you have low need, you have high power and that changes how you approach relationships, decisions, work, time, all of this. But when you have high need, this sense of oh my gosh, I got to make money. I got to save money. We're not there. Like, oh, if this whole thing could fall apart, you're approaching life from this place of low need and stress, right? And so people want to cross that threshold of going, okay, I think I can make decisions from this new place, right? And so I think there's five key areas people have to really pay attention to when trying to get across that threshold. And the first is easy. It's cash flow. You mentioned organizing earlier. Every client we work for, we start by just getting organized. You'd be surprised how organization can create 
just so much productive results and how disorganization just prevents so much, you know, forward progress. So, well, and, and even shifting some of the structures and, and the way that entities flow together can do it too. Yeah. So like, it's not hard, just get organized around it and then think about risk management. Okay. Like, let's just look around in our life and think, okay, what risk do we want to transfer to an insurance company? What risk should we isolate through legal planning? What risk should we try to mitigate and how, right? And then investing, okay, I need to save some money. And I think there's a big fallacy that's been promoted way too long that somehow you can save 10% of your income and it's going to get you there. I like to tell people, hey, if you were going to live three years and only work for one, how much money would you spend the first year? Like some people might say all of it because I don't know if I'll live three years. And some people might say, well, none of it because I'm afraid or whatever. I'm more just like, why don't I just spend a third and then I have the same amount for all three years? But in our society, this idea of I'm going to make money for about half of my adult life and then I'm going to have about another half where I might not make money. Okay, well, then we probably need to save about half. Like, that's crazy. And you're like, okay, well then plan on making money longer. I don't know. But you know, then you have to invest it and you have to be smart with it. And you've got, you've got so much content on that. So investing is a big deal. And then the fourth thing is legal. I, you know, it took me a long time to get to this place. I, use, I still don't like paying legal bills, but I've at least come to the place of realizing, okay, paying attorneys to me is like paying insurance. Nobody likes paying insurance either, but you pay insurance because I'm going to pay the small bill and that company will pay the big bill. Yep. And my thought with attorneys is, it's not realistic for me to not pay attorneys in my life. So I get to choose, do I pay them a little bit on the front end to get me set up right? Or do I pay them a lot on the back end for all the problems that I'm going to encounter by not being set up right? So, I'm so like, true. I'll just choose to pay them on the front end, kind of like I would insurance. It's a smaller dollar amount on the front end. Well said. And then the last, the fifth area is tax. And, and so, you know, cash flow, risk, investment, legal, and tax, you know, put some effort into those areas. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. And I, I love that you're sharing with us the 23 overlooked tax strategies for entrepreneurs to create financial freedom. What a cool handout. And uh, we'll we'll include this info in the show notes and give you guys access to it. But super cool. And I've just been blown away by your knowledge, your understanding, the thinking outside the box, but making sure that it it really checks all the boxes which is so cool. I mean, there's a million things we could get into. We could talk about strategies. We could talk about the difference between deductions and credits. Tax credits are amazing. So anytime you can get those, and there's a ton with like solar strategies that are out there, you know, think about what the government needs the most of. They're willing to incentivize what they want. So uh, they want housing, affordable housing specifically, but housing in general, they want agriculture, they want energy, renewable energy right now. So it's like, figure out what they want and then do those things and you're going to get rewarded for partnering with them. And so you're just a wealth of knowledge. Where can we find out more about you and and for people that want to spend more time, maybe set up a call with you to dissect their taxes and even looking forward or looking back, where do they do that? I think the best page to go to is talktaxwithjeff.com. Go there. There'll be some links that take you to some more content, but start at talktaxwithjeff.com and hopefully we get to talk to you soon. I love it. I love it. Well, you've done a lot of great work for a lot of people. We appreciate you. You've, you've educated, 
You've helped set up a lot of things for for people in the lifestyle investor mastermind community. And so we just want to thank you and and get the word out that uh, other people can utilize you and your skill set and your your expertise. So thanks for having me on. I guess one final thought is when you're talking to, I don't care, any sort of advisor or consultant, if you're talking to someone and you're going, okay, I'm I'm fired up, I'm going to go work on this. And you just get the sense that they're not being forthcoming and transparent and sharing information with you. That should be a huge red flag Yep. because I don't really feel like the, the magic really isn't in the information, right? The information is out there. Everyone's you can got get it. it. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to you. Anyone with it should be willing to share it. It's kind of like open source stuff. There's no, nothing is proprietary about it. So if somebody right. tries to make it feel that way, run away. Yeah. Tax code is not proprietary. It's given out to everyone. Yeah. It is one set and of rules so, that everyone plays by. So if you hire someone, you really just hire them to help you navigate that and put it together for you, not because they have a secret, okay? Because the secret's out, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Great advice. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom. It's always so fun to connect. I like wrapping up every episode, asking our audience a question. And so my question for you is this, what is one step that you can take right now towards financial freedom and towards living a life by design, one that you truly desire, not one by default. And what is one step you can take that you learned from Jeff today that can help you get your house in order with regards to taxes or the overall picture of of the financial freedom threshold, one of those five categories. But pick a step, what's one step, be proactive, not reactive, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who would benefit from this episode, would you mind sharing it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all resources mentioned, visit www.lifestyleinvestor.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor. This podcast is being made available exclusively to financially sophisticated, high net worth individuals capable of evaluating the merits and risks of investments. The material presented in this podcast is not intended to be investment advice or to recommend the purchase or sale of any security, nor is it intended to be legal, accounting, or tax advice. You should consult with your legal, tax, or financial advisor in connection with any material discussed on this podcast. Past performance is not indicative nor a guarantee of future results. Certain materials discussed on this podcast may have been prepared by third parties, which have been obtained from sources that we believe to be accurate and current. However, we make no representation or warranty as to the accuracy, completeness, or currency of such materials.